Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Taylor Rooks. The Utah Jazz's Rudy Gobert joins me in the New York studio to defend his Defensive Player of the Year title. Tell us why he takes trash talk as a compliment. Yes, even from Draymond Green. And talk about how two years later, he's still getting blamed for shutting down basketball during COVID-19. It's a great conversation, so I hope you enjoy. Hello there. What's up? How you doing? Great. How are so, you? As you're walking in, I hear my producer say, oh, what are you wearing? Are you wearing your own shirt? But that's not you. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> that's my guy. Yeah. No, I love that. That's a, that's a great, great tribute. Um, so you're at the Bleacher Report offices for the first time. First time. Yes. And, you know, I have to begin with your, your relationship with Bleacher Report. <laughs> I think that, you know, we all saw... Uh, in your press conference, you talked about the way that the media covers you, and you specifically talked about Bleacher Report and what we decide to post and not to post. So I want to give you the platform to elaborate on how you feel about how BR covers Rudy Gobert. I mean, I appreciate that. Uh, I still follow them, by the way. I still follow you guys. Uh, <laughs> I like, I appreciate the content. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's true that, I mean, I've, we've talked about this many, many yeah. times. You know, over the years, uh, when you look back and when you see the bigger picture, like uh, it took me years to understand how like it was more about, you know, and not just Bleacher Report. It's, you know, it's Sports Center. It's a lot of platforms that are looking more for, for views, for interaction, for content, you mm -hmm. know, than for the actual uh, informative part of it. So it's, uh, you know, I understand it. Uh, I mean, I'm not the most flashy guy out there. I'm not the most exciting guy to watch. Uh, but yeah, as long as the narrative is, is the right narrative is being pushed, is, is what matters to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is an important perspective to get, you know, what the player thinks about the way they're covered, the clips that are chosen, the good versus the bad and, and those things. What do you think you attribute it to, though? Like why people choose the clips that they choose? I think these are, uh, I mean, all the algorithms and, and you know, obviously the, the, the players that, the markets and the players that have been pushed is the, the ones that will generate the most views, right? It's the way it works. And for every, not just Beach Report, yeah. I'm not targeting. It's oh, I am not offended. I always <laughs> yeah. talk to you because I know yeah. you work here. Yeah. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, um, once again, it's something that I think there, there has to be a balance between obviously generating the, the views and the content that uh, will get the people excited and get get the most engagement, but at the same time, you know, uh, not just manipulate the narratives too much yeah. uh, around certain type of players. And, and that's when, you know, there's been a few times in the past when I was like, you know, I, I can see through the lines and see what, what is being done right here. Mm -hmm. Especially because, you know, I think that if you, you have a game and you're like, oh my God, this was a great block or a great dunk, mm -hmm. And you're anticipating, you know, going back to your phone and everybody talking about this block or dunk because someone posted it. But then you see, wait, this moment wasn't posted. I mean, that, that's okay for me. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't, I don't search that necessarily. You know, I think obviously there's a younger generation of guys that are really grew up in the social media and like really, and I've seen that and it's funny, you know, like guys really search for those uh, highlight plays and stuff like that. I, I don't search for that. You know, I don't, I don't ask for posts or anything. I don't think it's, that's not why I play the game. I play yeah. the game because I enjoy it, because I like to win. 
and uh, and I like to inspire people. But um, yeah, when it's like you know you do you do a uh, hundred positive things and and you you there's one slipperage uh, you get dunked on or you get crossed over and and then that's being highlighted and that's what the people you know the, the mainstream people see and mm-hmm. and then they they create their own narrative around you right mm-hmm. and that's what they see so they're like what these guys win DPOY but all I see is him getting crossed so what what is he doing right on the court yeah. And okay. that's when it's it can be tricky, but you know over the years I've I've learned how to see the bigger picture, and I used to like when I was younger, obviously be more, uh, you know, you can get a little, a little upset, but now it's like I'm in a different place, you yeah. know, with with more wisdom. And yeah, wisdom. <laughs> and you're in your old age, you've just gotten wiser. <laughs> I'm getting close to thirty, so you know, yeah. Oh, me too. It's close. It's coming. I'm. I'm excited for 30, though. Yeah, me too. Me I too. honestly am. Well, you know, now that you're at the bleacher offices, you can just, like, hack into the system and make sure you're the, you're the number one no, algorithm. it's all good. It's all good. I'm all about it. <laughs> okay, so let's get straight to it. Um, are you winning Defensive Player of the Year this year? That's a good question. I mean, time, time will tell. But, um, you know, it's been a, yeah, it's been a, a really good year uh, for, for, for us as a team. You know, we had some, some ups and downs, but... I really like the way our team has been, uh, you know, has responded to the adversity. And then, and every year, you know, I, every time I step on the court, I try to be the best, you know, the best defensive player in the world. And and my team needs me to, to, to be that in order for us to be who we want to be. So uh, I hope so. You know, yeah. I hope so. I hope, uh, you know, as usual, the, the number and the, the impact will speak for itself. And, uh, and we'll see. We got a few more games to play. Yeah, I think I saw the little, you know, like the power rankings came out yesterday. And right now, I think Giannis is one. What do you think separates you from a guy like Giannis? Um, I mean, I have a, a lot of respect for Giannis. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by, you know, the way he's been, uh, came into this league and, you know, and similar to me, but differently. Like we both like, drafted, I was drafted 27, he was drafted 15 or 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was able to, you know, uh, it's inspiring what he's done, win a championship, but also the player that he has become. So, you know, I would never, I never compare myself to other guys. I think everyone is, you know, I respect every single guy in this league. I think we all have different journeys, different struggles, different, like it's, you're never going to hear me criticize all the guys. But um, yeah, he's having a great year. And uh, I do think at the end of the day, uh, when you look at it, Defensive player of the year. Uh, for me, it's really the impact. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of guys that you know the, the the fans tend to go for the flashy play sometimes, and and it does play a role in in the narratives out there. But I think the impact is really what separates you know guys. And uh, and um, you look at the the teams, you know, guys, the teams without their guys, and when the guys is there, you see the difference. Mm-hmm. I think that's really a pretty good uh, way of judging somebody's impact well the defensive player of the year conversation is so interesting with you because it's very layered um i have known you for a very long time we have had lots of conversations about this award and and you know why people get voted what it means to be defensive player of the year there seems to be this major backlash that comes whenever you are defensive player of the year i know you disagree with a lot of that backlash why do you think it happens? So I, I do think 
I think the backlash comes usually from from uh, the same people, the same crowds. Uh, I think uh, like when I talk to retired players, when I talk to people, coaches, GMs, people that really understand this game and watch me night in and night out, there's never any negative comments being made. They, they all uh, respect and appreciate, you know, the, the way I play the game and what I do for my team every night. So it's really the, the I think there's a gap between the the overall perception and between the real impact and and what I do as a player, the way I impact the game. And I think that's when you talk about social media and all that stuff, that's when it comes into play, right? There's usually a, yeah, there's a gap between the perception and reality, pretty much. What do you think the perception is? And what do you think the reality is? I think there's been, uh, I mean, when, you know, when you look on social media and from what I've been hearing over the past few years, some narratives, for example, that I can't get out on the perimeter stuff like that and there's usually that, that that clip of me uh spinning around guarding stuff that made me laugh too actually but 2017 <laughs> right and, yeah and usually it's the only argument that people have uh to try to prove that i can't guard on the perimeter when it's like look at the data look at the numbers look at like who is who last year was the number one big at guarding the perimeter in terms of efficiency guys don't score and once in a while, you get you get crossed. Like Devin Booker, like crossed me over and hit a step back last year, and it was everywhere on social media, and it was a great play. But it's uh, for me, it's most it's mostly about what you don't see on social media. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Yeah. Like the the one highlight that you don't see can affect your perception, but it's not the reality, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So how would you tell us? How would you evaluate? You know how you guard the perimeter. How would you evaluate your performance there? Really well, I think. Uh, I'm really comfortable. And, and once again, I've, I think uh, I've had to adapt my game every year. You know, uh, like I used to be like four or five years ago, I was much more uncomfortable guarding the perimeter. And obviously I was really dominant inside and and doing what I've been doing you know, over the years. But uh, the game has evolved. Uh, there was more and more shooting big uh, emerging. Guys like Jokic, Cat. You know, a lot of shooting bigs, Brook Lopez, and I had to, mm-hmm. I had to train myself to to become comfortable guarding all those kind of situations, and you know, and Quinn Snyder has played played a big part in that, in, in really, really challenging me in order for me to to keep growing, and you know, I, I've done it every year, and once again, what I say is backed up by all the numbers. You can look at the mm-hmm. data. I mean, it's it's out there, and there's so many, so many ways to measure efficiency and the way I. I can impact uh, whoever I'm guarding. And yeah, after, after year after year, you know, you can see that the game evolves, but I'm, it's kind of fun for me too because I have to, you know, challenge myself every year. And, and you know, I think uh, I'm at a point today when I'm really comfortable guarding guys anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my team needs me to be able to, to do that in order for us to be where I want to be. So once again, the numbers back it up and, and I'm just you know, keep trying to grow every year. Yeah. I mean, I think this is an important conversation for you because anytime there's a narrative about anyone, they should have the outlet and the chance to respond to things. And so I know Patrick Beverly, he went on Old Man and the Three and he talked about you. And when he was talking about you, he said, how are you the best defensive player if you don't even guard the other team's best offensive player? 
So I want to give you a chance to answer that question. How I'm are the, how's that true? And you know me, you know, I'm not a, like, I don't, comp I never campaign for myself. I think, you know, I think the game, like, I think when you, when you play the right way, the, your game always speaks for itself. And once again, we have a lot of ways of measuring uh, someone's impact, you know, on the court nowadays, which, which is, I think is great. Um, what people don't gotta understand about what I do on the court is like, I, I'm not just guarding one player. Like when I, when I'm out there, I'm, my mind, my mindset is to guard the whole team. Like I'm, I'm controlling like these five guys on the court, and like I don't go out there thinking, oh my guy, my, my, whoever I'm guarding, I, I want him to score zero points. But then if everybody else scores, and we lose, it's like did I really impact my team in a positive way? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going out there thinking I gotta guard this whole team and like limit, like make sure that this team is not scoring 140 points tonight and make sure I'm leading, helping my teammates, because at the end of the day, you, you don't do, like, it's a, it's a team sport. You don't do anything on your own. So my goal is really to go out there and, and communicate with my teammates and make sure that I have the most impact that I can on my team and and ultimately on the other team, making sure that, you know, uh, my guy might score 30. I don't want that. I have pride, obviously. Mm -hmm. If my guy scores 30, but the other team scores 80 points, that's a that's the best defense in the league. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I'll take that. Yeah. So you're saying you're you're operating within the system that is like presented to you. I'm I'm affecting the whole team. I'm not worried about one player. I'm mm -hmm. trying to guard the whole team. Yeah. Well, something I thought was really interesting, you know, when you all played the Mavericks, mm -hmm. you know, late in the game, you were switched on to Luca. Mm -hmm. How would you evaluate your performance guarding Luca? I mean, we you know, once again, I'm comfortable guarding, yeah. guarding anyone, and Luca is an amazing player. So, you know, he's very smart. You get, you get, you get that step back. You get, he can drive. He's really crafty, mm -hmm. drawing fouls, and he's a really good passer. So, you know, if there's some guys that you, you know you can you can double team and you can, that it's harder for them to read. But Luca, it's like if you want to be successful, it's hard to double team because he's he's big. He can pass. Mm -hmm. He can see the floor. So you have to you have to make him earn it and. You know, that's my, that's my challenge every time, you know, just try to uh, make him earn it, make him hit the toughest shot possible. And, and, and he's going to do it at times. And if he does, you know, you, you clap your hands, but make him work. And that's, that's my mindset every night. Now, I might be wrong, but watching that game, it felt like you had kind of a different sense of pride in that performance. You know, that you were on the guy, you were guarding the perimeter, you were, you did a good job in locking him down in different situations. Did that moment feel different for you? And also how much of that switch was coach and how much of it was you? Uh, so it was, you know, every night, it happens every night. Yeah. Like I end up switching, uh, like our, our defense is not primarily switching, but we know that usually it's gonna, it's gonna happen throughout the game, uh, whether it's early or late. Uh, mm -hmm. There's usually a situation, especially with shooting bigs or, sh or shooters, when when teams play with like five shooters to to space me out. Like we we rather have me on the ball. At the, at the end of the day, we rather switch and have me guard the ball, and and then uh, you know make make them earn it. And you know it happens every night. So obviously, I think because it was Luka Doncic and he's such a really good player, like he brought people's attention a little more. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, yesterday I was on I was. Ended up switching on Reggie Jackson. Uh, mm -hmm. Every night we're going to be switched on on a good player, and 
usually you're not going to see the highlights, but usually it's it's uh, for if you look at the data once again, it's it's uh, it's to our advantage. Now I know you don't like to compare, but <laughs> if you win a fourth Defensive Player of the Year award, do you feel like that does legitimately put you in the conversation for like one of the best defenders of all time? I mean, uh, every day I step on the court, uh, I want to be the best defensive player of all time. That's 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 the mindset that I have. I don't like to compare. Like you say, I don't like to compare the different eras. I think the game is evolving so much. Uh, you know, every every five, every ten years, uh, the game is changing. So, you know, I do I do think that uh, you know the day I retire, uh, you know, we we're gonna look at it and. That would be a good time to 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 judge, but mm-hmm. until now, you know, I wish people would just appreciate and just enjoy the, the not just me, but just you know all the guys that are out there, you know, accomplishing some some things for this game. You know, I think it's a conversation that we'll have when I retire. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, although you're smiling, and I feel like you're kind of like, yeah, I know what I think about myself as a defender, and you're just. I mean, I know what I think. You know what yeah. I think. I just mm-hmm. told you. But uh, I do think, you know, I think, uh, you know, whatever you do in this league, there's always going to, people are always going to challenge you. You know, there was the narrative a few years ago, it was really cannot go in the perimeter. Now it's like really cannot uh, impact in the playoffs, which has been proven not to be true by the numbers once again. I had one bad game and uh, it's been the narrative now. So now it's always, you know, it's, I, I kind of enjoy it because it's like people are challenging me to, um, you know, to keep raising my level every year. And, and I do want to win the championship. So I think, you know, uh, for me, the next step now is really to, to help my team uh, try to accomplish that. And we'll see what, what's going to be the next challenge. Now, social media is something that you and I have both talked about often, both on my side and on your side. It's just a conversation that, mm-hmm. that we have had. Can you genuinely say that whatever people say about you, whether it's your character or your game, whatever they say on social media, that it doesn't bother you? So I've learned from a very young age, you know, obviously uh, I've got drafted and this, there was always, there's always been criticizing, you know, and I think we all deal with that, you know, whether you're influencer, you're artist, you're NBA player, I think everyone, uh, if you're going to be on social media, you're going to be, you're going to see some negative stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's never, I don't know one person in the world that never had a negative comment on social media. So mm-hmm. you just, I just always kind of embraced it. Uh, you know, try to, sometimes you, uh, I think LeBron said that one time, like sometimes you're just looking for the one guy that's going to say some negative before a game to, yeah. to get the motivation. And that's kind of the mindset that I've had over, over the years. But at the same time, I realized also that it could affect you, you know, because totally. like it does you know, the way the subconscious works, right? It, you, you think you're cool, but then it's in the back of your head. And it's yeah. like, and that guy said that. I got, like, <laughs> he did say that. And is it true? And it, it, yeah. you think about it. So it's. And you're second guessing yourself, sort of, even so though you you're can, not. Yeah, yeah. you can. You can uh, I realize that it can really uh, mess with you in a way. But I think for me, there's more positive uh, seeing it uh, sometimes than, than negative. So. Yeah. Even though. Uh, I have a different relationship with social media than I had uh, over the past few years. I still, you know, pay a little attention to what's going on. Yeah. Well, because, you know, whenever I'm doing an interview and just the research portion of the interview, one thing I 
always do is tweet search the person's name, always. And it just feels like any dislike, it's like so magnified for you. Would you agree with that? Magnified for like, like me, like the way I see it? Yeah, it's like there are tweets that are just people like, I don't like Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, why? You know, it just it feels like there was a lot of that no, online. And I would assume, like, you see that, too. And I'm just curious, like, mentally how that would make you feel. So, obviously, like, it's it's never it's never great when yeah. you see that. But, but uh, I'm able to, uh, once again, see the bigger picture. And, and the reality is that these people don't know me. Right. Like, they don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. They've seen a video of me. Uh, maybe touching mics or video of me, uh, I don't know, blocking the favorite player or I don't know, whatever it is. Like it's, these people don't know me. They don't know my character. They don't know all the things I do for the world. Like they don't, they don't really know who I am. So it's, it's like, can I really be mad for them not knowing me? Like, no, you know, I wish they would know me. I wish they would educate themselves, like try to dig a little deeper about who I am. But mm-hmm. most people don't. So, you know, it's part of it. It's part of it. And I think, once again, when we talk about, uh, you know, the big social media platforms that can highlight, you know, it can really impact the narratives out there. Like, it's like I've never seen any of those platforms talk about the, the good things that I do or, you know, the, the, like the, the positive, right? So it's, it's part of it. It's part yeah. of it. And, but I, I don't let it affect me anymore because I know these people don't don't know me yeah okay you said i don't let it affect me anymore at what point did you stop like was there a specific moment you were like this is getting to me and i can no longer allow it to have this this power over me i think the the only time that it really was was i would say it was tough was the covid situation because people were really questioning who i am as a person my character and my intentions so that that was the toughest part then people are questioning like my game or what i do on the court like you know, it's basketball, so I don't really, like, you want to be great. You want to be the best player out there, and you want people to be proud of you and people to respect you for what you do on the court, but it's part of it. You know, we, we, we know that. But, yeah, questioning your character and who you are as a human yeah. being was, was the little most frustrating part of it. But I think it, it really helped me grow, too, as a yeah. person and, and, like, be, like, more detached with, with social media and, people's Mm -hmm. opinion yeah because I mean you know I think you are a very kind person I think you're a very good person and when that moment happened I remember talking to you and I know how much it affected you that people were making that about who you were this like one moment was being blown up into like this is who Rudy Gobert is how does it feel that for so many people it's almost like you are synonymous with COVID People think like still, you're patient I still, zero. <laughs> like, I, still, I still do get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like people are like, he is the reason. It's like, well, no, but no. People, people were mad at me because they they thought I took away their sports. Like they they are home sitting on couch and they cannot watch their game because it really go bare yeah. those mics. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like someone was going to get COVID. Like yeah, that was and, going and to, yeah. You, I mean, anyway, I don't want to get back to this, but like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, people I'm had sure COVID you know. in November. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of evidence. Like yeah. they looked in the water and used water and people had COVID in November, December. Yeah. And I had it in March. 
No, I mean, I I think it's yeah. silly. Like, I'm not. I think, but, yeah. Like it's it's. But it's, it's just uh, totally a thing. I mean, like even it is. But but and, yeah. and I do think you know. I mean, that made me realize how people are already controlled by the narratives and and the, the media and and all that. And mm-hmm. once again, it was a, it was a really big learning experience for me. You know, and and I think it made me grow and and you know I took a few bullets for for people out there, but at the end of the day, I, I could. I could take it, so yeah. it, was, it wasn't easy, but I took it, and it made me grow. Mm-hmm. And my thing is with social media, it's like any person, like the smart people are the only people I'm concerned about online. And like, there's no smart person that truly believes that to be true. You know what I mean? Like, so who cares, yeah. really? You're like, oh, actually. <laughs> no, 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 there's no smart. No, I mean, like, yeah. I don't want to say, I don't want to, yeah. you know, call people out and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just learning experience. You know, you see, I mean, for me, it really helped me grow as a person. And yeah. and I do believe everything happens for a reason. So I, I think, you know, I, I was being put in this position for a reason. And, and uh, you know, and I was able to do a lot of good uh, after that. So, you know, it was, a, yeah, it was, I think it was a tough situation, not just for me, for the whole world. And mm-hmm. and if people react like this, it's because they, they have fear, right? They have fear, they have anger. And, Usually they have to put it on somewhere. They have to put it on someone. So I took a lot of that, and you know I was aware of it. But it's, uh, I'm happy that you know I was able to grow from it. And, yeah. And uh, I'm actually I'm kind of grateful for it because yeah. you know it was yeah, it was a, it was a great uh, it was a tough process, but it made me stronger. Yeah. No, I'll never forget. I remember like you said to me once. You're like, there are so few people in the world that could handle like half the things. That like I'm having to handle, you know, but it's always those people that have opinions and like have things to say. So, I mean, I think social media is sometimes the best of people and sometimes the absolute worst of people. So I totally understand that. But I do want to give you a chance, like tell anyone who doesn't know you like about Rudy Gobert. Uh, All the parts they don't see. There's so many parts (laughs) that people don't know about me, but. I don't know. Well, get specific. Yeah. Okay. So you're like, this question is not pointed enough. When you say, you know, they aren't talking about the good, you know, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I do a lot of great work. My charity, for example. uh, Rudy's Kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rudy's Kids Foundation. So we're building a school in Africa right now. We, I mean, we've been doing a lot of uh, cool, like, block shot events. Like, we go to, for example, we go to a city. We go to Sacramento. And, uh, uh, we choose a, a local kid charity, and for each block that I get, we will donate a thousand dollars to that charity. Mm-hmm. We also invite kids to the game, and I can meet them after the game and stuff. So, just a lot of cool stuff, you know. That I'm, I'm you know, I think about how I can impact uh, the younger generation, how I can impact uh, the world in a positive way, and and I always thought that kids was, you know, the future. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, kids be able to to dream and you know, be able to accomplish what they want to accomplish is, is always been something that I, I really care about. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I vouch. Good for you. I, I believe that to be true. Uh, I want to talk about the jazz for a little bit. Let's do it. You know, obviously in season, you guys are always amazing. Regular season, there's all these expectations for you guys. You're playing great. And then, you know, the narrative is you get to playoffs. Yeah. And just something happens. <laughs> Why do you think 
that has been the case in the past and why is this year maybe different? I think um, I think it's not just the Jazz. I think a lot of teams have had that, you know, uh, like being good in the, in the regular season and, and then uh, you get into the playoffs and it's a different type of uh, uh, it's a different type of basketball, it's a different type of atmosphere. And uh, for us last year, you know, being being the best team in the league during the regular season, uh, almost like having no injuries. I probably missed two games last year, one or two games. Um, and then getting to the playoffs and then and starting facing adversity, right? We Mike Conley gets hurt. We don't have a point guard. Like we 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 up two against the Clippers and then you know we all of a sudden it's a tie game we lose game five and and then anything can happen right and you know I think it comes with experience most of the time mm-hmm. and, and we had a lot of uh, uh, in a way disappointing postseason over the last few years all mm-hmm. different you know we were in the bubble we were up 3-1 against Denver yeah and then uh, uh, you know we, there's a pro- there's a, there was that protest mm-hmm. and and we cancel some games. I cancel. We don't know if we're gonna keep playing or not. And then we all of a sudden it starts again, and the momentum is different, and we lose. Not to have any excuse, but like every year it's been different, and we face different challenges. And for us now, I think we're in a place when we understand that being first in the league doesn't guarantee any championship, doesn't guarantee anything, and we understand that it's about being good at the right moment. Yeah. And and for us this year has been our mindset. You know, building good habits, but when it's playoff time, hopefully be healthy and and be the best jazz basketball team that we can be. But I mean, how important is that this year to like actually get over that hump? Because you can't forever be, you know, the team that almost did it or the team that you thought was good enough, but wasn't, you know? I mean, we don't want to be an almost team for sure. I think we, you know, we, over the last nine years, I've been, in the Jazz for nine years, and my, my first year we won 25 games. You know, I was in the G League, and and I always told myself like I, I would I, would, I want to win a championship for this organization. And you know we we've built you know Quinn Snyder got here my second year, and we my fourth year we make the playoff for the first time. Mm-hmm. We beat the Clippers uh, game seven, mm-hmm. and then we lose to the Warriors with KD and everybody. And then we, you know, every year we felt like we, you know, we got better and better and better. And, and now is definitely the time when I'm like, you know, like it's, it's a championship or nothing. And, you know, I think all the struggles and the adversity that we've been through as a group, as an organization, uh, you know, is preparing us for hopefully this, this moment this year when, or next year or whenever. But we, we definitely feel like we, uh, we have something, you know, we have a cool opportunity and something to accomplish. Mm-hmm. What team in the West gives you the most problems? I think our biggest enemy is ourselves. No, but like what team that's not the Utah Jazz? <laughs> what team that is not the Jazz gives you the I mean, most problems? To be honest, this like when you look when you look at from one to eight, even one to ten, like I mean, this year has been obviously Phoenix has has been having an amazing year. There we go. There's an answer. Oh, Phoenix <laughs> yeah. has been. You know, having a great yeah. year, and even last year they did. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's we feel like anybody anybody can beat anybody pretty much, mm-hmm. and it's that's why I say we are biggest enemy because I think like if we first of all if we're healthy, and if we come in the right mindset, uh, I, I think we can beat anyone mm-hmm. in the seven game series. Mm-hmm. But we can also lose to anyone, 
so it's it's on us to you know get ready keep uh, finish the season the right way and come in and try to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. is there something for you that like feels different about this year and you all i think how our you're pro meshing, is, how you're playing okay i think our pose is different you know and, and there's one thing that you know, early in the season could be seen as negative, but I think uh, right now I'm really grateful and happy that we've been through this adversity. You know, these this stretches where I was injured, Donovan was injured. Uh, you know, we had, I think at some point we had six or seven guys that had COVID and and we lost, you know, a lot of games in a row. And then, you know, uh, last year was different because we didn't have that during the season. Mm -hmm. And we had kind of a little bit of that during the playoffs and we weren't ready for it. So now it's like we've had that adversity. We, we've learned from it and we're ready to, you know, pretty much go through anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of it, too, is just getting over that hump just gives you a different level of respect. Right. So much of it is, like you said, like not wanting to be that that almost team. And I think some people even look at the performance that you had specifically in the playoffs last year. When you look back on that, what first comes to your mind? About the playoffs? Yeah, the playoffs last year. Like when you all played the Clippers, like what sticks out to you about that performance? I think we, you know, I think uh, like what we've learned and Milwaukee was, was a pretty cool example of that last year. Like they, they were down 2-0. Uh, they were down 2-1, uh, a few different series, and, you know, and people kind of like were counting them out, and but they had the belief in themselves. Like they, they knew that, uh, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a sprint, it was a marathon, and, and they were able to, to step, it, step up, you know, game after game to raise their level, and, and you know, it was, a, it was a really cool and inspiring, you know, I think, a story to, to see them win a championship. Mm -hmm. Because they, they wasn't first in the in the East, you know. They, in a way, even if I don't like comparisons, like it was similar to us this year when they they had a lot of adversity during the regular season, but you know they they just raised their level during the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the mindset that we want to have. We want to have the mental toughness to be able to because there's no there's no championship without adversity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's no championship. Like, you don't sweep everybody and win a championship. The Warriors kind of did that one year. Mm -hmm. But they had, a, they had a pretty special team. Yeah. But this year, we don't feel like anyone's going to sweep everybody and, and win a championship. So it's how we're going to react to that adversity and, and, and the mental toughness that we're going we're gonna to have that's going to make the difference. You know, one thing that's great about you, and I think that it – it shines through in the way that you also answer your questions and you've said it about yourself is you always take the high road. That is something that you, you have kind of dedicated yourself to doing. Um, and you actually had that quote when someone talked to you about Draymond and the remarks that he made about you. This whole situation I think is very fascinating to me, this whole Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green thing. So I want for you, why do you feel like that relationship is where it is right now? Or I guess lack of relationship. Yeah, I mean, when you say relationship, is what he's saying about me because I'm not talking about him. You're right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when I when I see him in person, he's always really nice and respectful, you know. So it's, uh, you know, as long as that that stayed the same, you know, uh, things that are being said about me on podcast, or it's not just Raymond, it's a lot of guys, you know, that, you know, trying to discredit what I do every night 
uh, who I am as a player. Like it's 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 part of it, you know. And, and for me, uh, I I will always take that as respect. If I if I wasn't if I if I was a average defensive player, average player, they wouldn't talk about me, right? Mm -hmm. So I would always take that as respect, and uh, you know, and and you know, guys have platforms now, and they have a voice, and and when their voice can can affect uh, the the average narrative, and can affect you know people's mind and people's uh, opinions, like is their right to use it. You know, is are they right? Are they wrong? Once again, there's data, there's numbers, there's you know a lot of people that know this game, that that watch the game, and that are kind of neutral. You know, that don't have anything to gain, and they can make their own opinion. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like I'm never gonna talk down on anyone. You know, I respect all these guys. You no, know, they they um, once again, like I respect every guy in the league. I think everyone, first of all, being in this league is already something. It's already mm -hmm. a great accomplishment, and it's hard to also be in this league and, and sustain this league and be consistent, you know, and they will tell you the same. So I show respect, you know, and yeah. if you disrespect me in person, it's a different story, but you can say whatever you want about me. Yeah. Well, this whole thing I just think is very interesting because you look at it and it's like, what happened specifically between these two that, you know, he feels the way that he does? And you know me, so I just asked. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'm I'm going to be interviewing Rudy, and I'm trying mm -hmm. to understand why this exists between you guys. I want every, I want kumbaya, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want views. You want you know? <laughs> but he actually said something that I had no idea about, and I don't know if he'd ever talked about. He said that he had issues with actually the French national team. And I guess how he felt like you guys were talking to them on the court. And that was one of the reasons that he felt this way mm. towards you. Do you know do you what tell he's... You, do you give you any details? I mean, do you want to hear the exact text? Or you're just like... I mean, I want details. Yeah. Because okay, he the said, didn't come from me. Let's see. But if you're going to hate me because some other guy says some stuff. I don't think he hates you. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he said... They, as the French national team, have been very mouthy when it comes to us, yet they don't beat us when it matters. Playing with Team USA, it's us against the world. And to hear guys like him and Evan Fournier get in the media and talk shit as if they don't already know how shit really goes pisses me off. Well, show me, show me what shit I talked. So you disagree? Like, you're like, I wasn't doing that. I don't talk shit, so like, I want to see the evidence of me talking shit. But I... I I love the competitiveness. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, uh, I think in a way it's cool that Team USA is finally like getting mad at the team because they, they used to kick everybody's ass for, for the past few years and for the past 30 years or since basketball started. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's in a way it's, I think it's good for basketball that, you know, they are getting mad at us because they feel like they have a, a little, more, little bit more of a chance, even though they're, they're still a better team, I think they have much more talent than we have. Mm -hmm. It's great that we have um, yeah, a little more competitiveness. And in terms of the shit talking, I, I don't talk shit, so it didn't come from me. Okay. How personally did you take that matchup? I mean, it's a dream. You know, for me, it was always a dream to uh, try to represent my country and then try to win a gold medal. So whether it's Team USA or 
all the great Spain, Slovenia, all these great basketball teams. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, like you in front of me, so I'm trying to win a gold medal. And and uh, yeah, there's competitiveness. You know, like if it, it wouldn't be fun if it was easy. And for us, the challenge has been over the last few years. It's been Team USA has been our biggest uh, biggest challenge. So it's always you know it's and these guys that we face you know throughout mm-hmm. the whole year and. And it's cool to be in a position when you're the underdog too, because we always the underdog. So it's yeah, it's just uh, competitiveness, you know. It's mm-hmm. and it's a dream for me to to um, to not just first of all beating these guys was a dream. Like it was, it was we had never beat Team USA before, and we did it in uh, in the World Cup in China uh, in 2018, and and now being able to yeah do that is a, you know it's just competitiveness and a dream. So is there any world where you feel like this is squash? I think you're great. I think Draymond's great. And I just think there should be a... There's no beef on my side. I mean, as long as you keep your respect, uh, you, you know, you stay in line and don't disrespect my family or stuff like that. You know, it's just competitiveness. Uh, and it just, you know, I've, once again, every time every time I talk about Draymond, I, anybody else, I show respect. So... Uh, if these guys want to disrespect me, it's their choice, you know, and, and I take that as respect because I know that it's, you know, it's competitiveness and then, you know, and I'm a quiet person, but some guys are different. They have different personalities and, you know, they're going to they're gonna express their mind mm-hmm. and, and it's fine. Okay. That's fair. And it's weird. Like some people are like into it. They're like, yeah, Rudy and Draymond. People, they- people love beefs, you know, yeah. once again, like, yeah. We're gonna go back to this again, but like beef generate more uh, interactions. It generates more, like even me. Like when when you watch a video when there's a fight or something, you like you you want to watch, right? Yeah. You, you it's more interesting. So so I get it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm chilling. Okay, that's fair. So it, this uh, I guess it's not it's not as the beef's not gonna end with this episode, unfortunately. Even though I know it's not on on your side or, or yeah, anything I, like that. I, I, yeah, I don't have a beef with anyone. Yeah, yeah, and I even said to him, I was like, I mean, do you see a world this is fine? He said, he's not my teammate. It doesn't have to be fine. And I, I mean, I guess that's true yeah. too. I mean, I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm I'm over it. It doesn't matter care. to me. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I have like a super super random. Thing to talk about because I was talking to some of your your teammates about this moment when you all were on the plane and the birds flew into the engine and everybody else just got this report of like okay they had to make an emergency landing but what I'm hearing is like you guys actually thought like it was over like y'all were very scared on that plane is that accurate yeah it was it was really scary yeah um I'm mean, just thinking about it like it, something that, you know, I flew so many planes in my life and I'm always a little, not scared, but it's always like yeah. when he moves, you're like, is it my last, my last time? You know, you ask yourself, right? <laughs> and you, you like try to make yourself feel better and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that time, like that, that feeling of, you know, something exploding and like the plane was like making a weird noise and, and you could feel that it was really struggling to fly. And also when you look at the flight attendants and you see that they are scared, like I've never seen a scared flight attendant before. So it was like, if she's scared, I mean, something's wrong. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, I mean, guys were, 
everyone has different way of expressing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, no, because I heard like some people were crying, like they thought it was done. Yeah, was, some like, people were praying, some people were crying. Yeah. Um, I was pretty calm uh, externally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just, yeah, you, you were questioning like, I didn't want to text my mom because I felt like, like she could, she could like, really like get really scared and I did I want to make sure that you know she wasn't panicking yeah and like overreacting so you know just had to yeah be patient for a few minutes and it was tough but you know once we found out that it was just only one engine uh that was blown up then we we felt a little better but I still, till this day, like I still uh, have some little PTSD from it. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's still hard. Like I still apprehend a bit flying. Yeah. How much have you thought, like, no, this plane is going to go down? I don't know. For I, don't, I know a lot of guys thought, thought that. And a lot of guys actually saw the flame coming out of the engine and stuff. So it's probably even worse. For myself, um, I was just trying to convince myself that it wasn't my time, you know, and then, well, that's it. It's the only thing you can do. It's you and your mind, you know, at the end of the day. And the, the, those next few days was a, you appreciate a little more everything. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's part of it, but it's, it was really, it didn't happen for, for the last 20 years. So it was pretty, yeah, pretty uh, unlucky. Anyway, and lucky at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, it's wild to think about a moment that even if it's like a little in your head, you're mm -hmm. like, oh my God, is this, like, is this it? Like, what are you actually, like, what's but running you through? You understand that, you know, you can make that much money, you can be successful, you can, like, life is so fragile. Yeah. So it's like, gives you perspective, even though, you know, I, I try to always work on, you know, my mind and my perspective of life and everything, but you realize that everything is so, you know, like one little moment and mm -hmm. uh, it can be done. Like I was just like when I was watching that Kanye documentary and it's the same, like you, you just realize that, you know, one, like it's, it's, it's very fragile. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm like, someone has to do like an oral history on that day. Cause I think it would be really interesting, like getting the perspective of, each of mm -hmm. you all and what you were thinking in that moment and what you saw. I would love to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the kind of thing that we talked about it a little bit, but it's like I don't want to, you, you almost don't want to bring back those memories to a lot of guys, so you don't want to talk about it. But yeah, I mean, it was really, yeah, it was, it was really scary. Yeah, like it was more serious than portrayed. Like I thought y'all just had to land. Like I didn't think it was no, that no. bad. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I never had that in my life. Like it, it was, like you, we felt something, an explosion, like we got hit by a rocket or something, mm -hmm. and and then uh, the plane was, wasn't right. You could feel that it wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and the silence, because the pilots were trying to figure it out, and the silence for like it was five or ten minutes when we didn't know what was going on, so we didn't know, and the pilots were like, we we try to work it out, we try to work it out, and flight attendant are panicking so it's yeah, it was tough it yeah. was tough but you know i'm glad that you know, we, we made it out and uh, yeah and um yeah it's once again it's something that you like it gives you more perspective too mm -hmm. yeah well no i'm i'm glad you are okay and you made it through 
Rip to the birds, though. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Because they, they didn't see the, the light of day. You oh, know? for sure. And the pilot was actually able to dodge most of them. Because yeah. there was a big flock of birds, and he was able to slide on that way. And so they only hit the left engine. And one bird hit the it's not funny, but one bird <laughs> hit the front the front of the, the plane. Like there was blood on the on the front sheet and stuff. Oh, like when but you got off you saw that. If you would have blown both engines, that would have been uh much more yeah, much more serious probably because you can the the, the, the plane uh, planes are built to be able to float to, to, to glide. But with one with without engines, it's really harder for, for the pilots to to move around, so we probably would have landed on the on the South Lake. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, it was it was yeah, just a pretty uh, fortunate experience. You've had just like quite an eventful past two years. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel like you're different coming out of it? Different. I think everything. Uh, everything in life is is, is an experience. Mm-hmm. Whether like we we all we we see things are good or bad, but I think every every experience that we that we everything that we experience is is a is a lesson in a way, and you just learn. And life is about going forward, you know. Until until it's your day, you keep going forward. You keep learning, and you keep trying to you know fulfill what what you want to fulfill. When you when people think of Rudy Gobert as a player, like what do you want to stick out to them? I think um, just a guy that a competitor, you know, a guy that always did anything he could to to to, to win. Uh, that's many as a player. I, I hope I want to be remembered for more than being a basketball player, and I want my legacy to be much more than that. But if you talk about just me, the player, yeah, someone that. You know, I always did uh, just a winner, a winner, someone that did anything cool to, uh, you know, be a good leader and and uh, help his team winning. Mm-hmm. Who are your like four favorite guys to guard in the league? Favorite guys to guard? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't have a favorite guy, but I, obviously, I, I love challenges and. Okay, so I'm gonna give you an option. You either have to tell me four favorites, or tell me the two toughest. The two toughest. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing is like, there's so much talent in this league right now. I think it's never been as much talent overall. Like, on every night there's a guy that that can go off. Or every night there's a guy that you know give you like uh, can give you matchup problems, right? Because the talent level is is through the roof now and. You know, I think, I mean, these generational talents like Steph, like Jokic, uh, Luca. So who are the two uh, toughest? Two toughest? So in my posi- for you, in yeah, my, just in, for you. So in my position, mm-hmm. uh, definitely uh, Jokic and Embiid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're the two, uh, two guys that are really unique. And, you know, it's always, I know that I need to be ready for those matchups because they they. Yeah, they just put a lot of pressure on, on, on your team and you have to, you know, there's no perfect game plan, right? Mm-hmm. You have to always uh, uh, adjust. You have to adjust. You have to uh, try to surprise them. You have to yeah, bring it to them, you know, differently that, 
some some other guys and it's uh that's what makes it exciting right something you said actually i thought was interesting you said that europeans tend to play with like more emotions um on the court and i think you were talking about this after that mavs game what did you mean by that i think the way we i don't know what it is i think the way maybe we something with the formation in Europe and, and something the way we've been taught the game. Um, I don't know, I feel that and, and you can see it, right? Yeah, Europeans usually have more, um, can be a little, have more emotional reaction on the court or get a little more mad. Give me an example. Uh, and it could be an example like of myself. you. myself. Yeah. I mean, like, I, and I've got better at it, but like mm -hmm. I play with emotions. Like I play with, you know, like I'm, like if something, like if I get fouled and it's not called or like something like that or like you show a little emo emotion. And I think it's, yeah, maybe just the way we, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Probably the way we've been like, taught since very young and um, it's a different type of, you know, the, I think the Americans are more taught how to be like really good individually and we're more taught of, you know, how to play as a team and maybe the result is, I don't know what it is, but it's do you, intriguing. Do you think that has helped you more or hurt you more? I mean, I'm, if you look at my career, and it probably helped, probably helped me to be, mm -hmm. to be that type of player. I don't know what kind of player I would have been if I would have played in college or in high school and college and everything, but you know, I'm, I am really grateful for the, the path that I had and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, for my journey. Mm -hmm. And you had said after that same game, you're like, you want the refs to be able to do more about what players are saying to each other. Am I saying that out of context? You were talking no, about. I was, I was talking about, I mean, when guys say some stuff, uh, but they know there's like, uh, you know, it's, the, it's you on the court and they're on the bench or on the court. And, or like, I think, you know, as a man, like you want to be able to, you got to navigate like like guys calling you names and stuff and but at the same time you don't want to hurt your team because if you react like you get attacked or you get ejected or whatever and so yeah just just uh just be able to keep the game more in check mm -hmm. certain times and i love to play physical i love I, I prefer like i love you know when not a lot of things are being called but there's different between physicality and and uh disrespect in a way so it's like like just uh, the game, I think you have to keep keep that in check. Yeah, because you were like, there are some things that were said that I would never say. I don't, I don't, and once again, that's me. But I don't yeah. like the most I would say is maybe like when I block a shot, I would say, "Give me that shit" or stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I don't disrespect guys or you know like target guys verbally. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that's the way I am. Once again, like. Everyone's different. Okay, that's fair. I think we have fan questions. Ready? Yeah. If you cannot win Defensive Player of the Year, who wins? That's a good question. Um, I have to dig into because I haven't really paid attention to the numbers and stuff. So I, I would probably have to do my research. You haven't paid and attention want, to the want, other defenders. You know. I, I pay attention to like what's been said a little bit and stuff yeah. like that, but I, I don't. I didn't dig really into the the data and the numbers, and I think it's it would be unfair to them to judge them without doing that. 
So I don't know, but some guys have had pretty good, uh, pretty good. Well, year. one thing you talked about, you know, in terms of you know judging someone's defensive ability, you talked about just peer impact. Mm -hmm. So if we know the disclaimer that you don't have the numbers in front of you, but you know about impact, who's a guy you're like they impact their team defensively on a different level? There's a lot of guys this year that I mean, not a lot, but like there's a handful of guys this year that I thought have been pretty good. Um, you know, like. Uh, the young kid from Memphis, Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, Robert Williams with Celtics. Uh, I, I really like uh, Michael Bridges. Bridges, yeah. Um, I don't. The thing, the problem when I do that is that I'm gonna forget some guy like Bam. Bam is a pretty mm -hmm. good defender. Well, and uh, someone's gonna say, "Oh, well, you didn't say Giannis." Uh, I mean, Giannis is yeah. obviously a really good defender. Uh, Draymond is a really good defender. He's He's missed a lot of games, but he's, he's a really, really good defender. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for all those guys. So, yeah, I love to 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 see how guys take pride in, you know, uh, trying to win that award and, and being a, and just be like put their mind into being a great defender. I think it's, it's great for the game. But so even when you put yourself back in the equation, do you feel like the defensive player of the year race right now is like there is a guy way ahead of everyone or do you think it's kind of a log jam right now do you think the winner is clear because i don't know if i believe that right now i think uh obviously the season is not over yeah um once again we have to look at the number the impact uh and it's not my i'm not the one to to you know to say who should win who should not i want to win obviously i think uh, i do think uh if you look at the impact uh I do think once again, like it's uh, it's clear, but you know, uh, it's it's a long season, and mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I respect all those guys, and I think it's we're gonna see how it goes. Yeah, until the end. Fair. I'm a voter, so I'm always like, what do I think? But it's like I get major anxiety being a voter because you want to make sure you make the right choices, and I do Not think sure. it's very important that you take a lot of time to make those choices. The fact that some people's money hinges on the voting is wild. Um, so you just always want to make sure you have like an educated answer. So I understand Not for that. sure. And then I love that you really take the time to do that, you know, and take the time to, doesn't mean that there's a perfect answer for everything, but at least you take the time to research and and, and make your own opinion and, and listen to what people say and to, I think you have a good feel for the game. So if everyone does that, you know, we, we're in a good place. Okay. Another one? Funniest player you've ever played with. Funniest player you've ever played with. Mm. Mm. I play with a lot of funny guys. Uh, I'm joining us. I, I was just going to say, guy. he's funny. Yeah. He's a little annoying, but he's funny. <laughs> Um, who else? Who is funny? I play with a lot of clowns. <laughs> I remember Rich, Richard Jefferson used to be funny. Mm. My rookie year. Yeah, he's still why. funny. Yeah. He used to make me laugh a lot. <laughs> but he was a great vet though. He, yeah. He really, uh, he took care of me, so I appreciate that. Okay, Joe Ingalls, Richard Jefferson. Another one? Okay, last one. Um... You've been on one team for your entire career in a small market. What do you think about some of the biggest names switching teams when things don't go as 
I think it's hard for me to to judge other guys for the decisions that they, they make, right? It's uh, I know that that my personality is is, uh, is that I wanna I'm stubborn, so I, I wanna keep you know keep trying, keep trying, keep trying with the same with the same team, and then obviously, like if if it doesn't go, it doesn't go. But uh, that's my mindset. Uh, this has been my mindset for my whole life. Uh, but yeah, I think guys. Guys should be allowed to, um, yeah, if they're not happy. Like, why would they? Why would they play somewhere if they're not happy, right? So, you know, I'm. Who am I to judge uh, what guys decide to do or not? I think it's, a, you know, it's a, we play a great game, but it's also business, and you know, you have to respect, uh, you know, guys' decisions, and and, uh, and yeah, I do think though, I do think like it can impact the legacy though. Like I have a lot of respect for someone like Dirk, for example. That mm-hmm. I think Dirk's championship like has a lot of value because of the way you know he kept he kept going with the same team and he kept, he kept trying. But you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's a game, and you know you gotta respect guys' decisions and guys' uh, happiness. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You know, I hope that you feel like, in some ways, you were able to address narratives that are out there about you, whether it's about your personality, whether about whether it's about your play as a defender. Um, I think that's important. I don't know how often you have been able to I, I don't think it's about freely. addressing it. I yeah. think it's more about having, a, obviously, like the opportunity or like for people to get to know me a little more. I think it's uh, if they take the time to listen and not just pay attention to the flashy quotes. Take the time to listen to the whole thing and you know, like it's what it's about, right? We don't, we quick to judge people without knowing them. And I think uh, if people would take a little more time to, you know, just have more empathy and and, and get to know, uh, read through the lines, I think, you know, it would be, social media would be more peaceful for sure. Oh, social media and peaceful. I don't know if those two things go together. <laughs> Hopefully one day. One day. <laughs> no, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. 